Paul writes later in his life, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. Think about the implications of what he is saying about and with regards to us as well. If Christ has not been raised, your faith, you're wasting your time. What are you doing here this morning? In other words, what he's saying, your faith is futile. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. The ones who died in Christ, believing he was the way, they're lost because uh, he's not risen. And if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all. I'm glad here, as oftentimes Paul adds a but or a therefore, here he adds a but. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Don't you love his, the, the resonance of this Jewish man who was a convert himself, who persecuted Christians, who had an encounter with the risen Lord, remember, and he speaks with such clarity and boldness years down the road now. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And so others who have died in Christ are raised with him as well, he's saying. For since death came through a man, Adam, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. As in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Boy, that's great news. Thank you, Paul. We're in the season of celebrating resurrection. It lasts more than a day in the church calendar. It lasts, lasts from now until Pentecost. It's called the season um, uh, of Easter. And uh, we will hear more and more stories of miracles and signs and wonders as, these, uh, as this season unfolds. Uh, this season of our lives, we're using the, the lectionary portion that will also rely upon the book of Revelation, the end of the storybook, the rest of the storybook, as it speaks with such profundity and power. As we heard this morning, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am A and I am Z. I am the beginning and I am the end. What I'd like to do this morning on this second Sunday of Easter is simply say to you, share with you, why I believe in the resurrection. I hope somewhere in there there may be a nugget here for you to confirm and convict your own convictions and belief about the resurrection or to um, push away some doubts that you might have in the resurrection. We all have doubted the resurrection at one time or another even as faithful followers. If not, we would not be human beings because it is fantastical what we, what we give testimony to that he's risen. Why do I believe in the resurrection? Well, first, we heard it in John's gospel this morning. The disciples were locked behind closed doors for fear of the Jews. And when they gather a week later on Sunday... They are still behind locked doors for fear of the Jewish leaders, the Jewish authorities. They've seen what's happened to their leader, and when you take out a leader, then you begin to take out the others that are just under that leader. So they feel like their lives are very much in danger, and they're probably, that's not their imagination. Um, their lives are very much in danger. And so, what happened? How did that group of frightened, fearful 
scared as bunny rabbits kind of disciples, suddenly burst out of those that locked room and begin to proclaim the resurrection, give testimony to the truths of Jesus Christ, begin to share his teachings with others, and on and on and on. They were willing even to die for the Lord, and they all, the eleven, did end up being the tradition of the church that they each died a martyr's death for the Lord. That's why I believe in the resurrection. That's one reason is something happened that so totally changed their view and perspective of things, and it had to be something dramatic and astounding. And so Thomas sums it up well with his own statement of faith when he sees the risen Lord, when he just, you know, in astonishment, really, but also in conviction, my Lord and my God. I also believe in the resurrection because of St. Paul. Three times in the book of Acts, he tells the story of his encounter with the risen Lord. Three times in the book of Acts, I expect it is there because it is so important to him for anyone to understand why he once was like this and now he's like that. I'll read a portion of one of those accounts this morning. Twenty-sixth chapter of Acts, speaking to a non-believer, King Agrippa, and um, um, Paul uh, has been arrested, and he takes the opportunity to make testimony, and he says this, I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the saints in prison, And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blaspheme. In my obsession against them, I even went to foreign cities to persecute them. That's Paul. On one of those journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest. About noon, O king, as I was on the road... I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen of me and what I will show you. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then King Agrippa... I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. Think extraordinary, miraculous story of a man's conversion. The least likely convert possibility of anyone you could consider in those days. Paul is converted. What did he see? 
if it was only a figment of his imagination, would that carry him the rest of his life to travel the roads of Europe and of Asia to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ? He helps me to believe in the resurrection by his own testimony. The third reason, this one just caught me off guard once upon a time. I call it St. Augustine's insight. St. Augustine was a 4th century Christian. A marvelous story of his own conversion in his autobiography named Confessions, a very, very famous classic. And uh, Augustine wrote a mighty work called The City of God. And as I was reading it in seminary, so a long time ago, St. Augustine wrote this in that book. He says, there are actually two great miracles of the early church. The first is the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And the second is that by our lifetime, by the fourth century, he's speaking of his own century, the entire Roman world has converted to Christendom. Now we know the story of how that happened and some of the pros and cons of that. But what is amazing that this little tiny irrelevant Jewish sect on the eastern shores of the Mediterranean in Palestine within a short 300 years has become the official religion of the Roman Empire. And Augustine is simply saying, that's impossible. You try it, you know, kind of thing. He says it's impossible. He says, so it's a, it, it's, in, in a sense, the second great miracle gives validation to the first great miracle because they're both impossible. And the th- second one I'm an eyewitness to is I see Christian, Christendom everywhere. And his own witness to that um, uh, encouraged me at that time, and I've held on to that one ever since. Uh, the, the, the others are a little bit more subjective, but uh, a fourth reason why I believe in the resurrection is the testimony of people I trust. And I would start with my mother and father. I was fortunate and blessed to grow up in an authentic, genuine Christian home of love, of care and nurture, and of profound faithfulness. My father, as you know, himself a priest, and himself the son of a priest. And uh, he passed it on to us. And um, just simply... The witness of people whom I trust, starting with my own mother and father. But then there are also other individuals. Uh, my mentor in, at Sewanee, who rescued me out of one pit I was in um, after my father's sudden and unexpected death and reached out to me. A priest of the church also, whose name was Bill Ralston, who was an instructor and teacher at, uh, at Sewanee. And I, as an undergraduate, he took me under his wing, um, the wing of love and care, and uh, I enjoyed biblical courses under his instruction from that point forward and learned from him and was encouraged by his own faith and witness. And the testimony of people I trust, it includes people I've read through the centuries, whether it's Pascal in the 17th century or others of other centuries, and just simply to read of their own conviction and firmness that indeed the Lord is risen and he has made all the difference has um, helped me to believe in the literal fact of the resurrection. Another reason why I believe in the resurrection is uh, what I call the fact of revelation. Having moved out of my Christian home into a time of really genuine atheism or at least agnosticism, just that God's not knowable, 
idea. Uh, I was a first a philosophy major at Sewanee before I was an English literature major. And so I saw lots of different kinds of worldviews and read of them, and uh, some Christian and some non-Christian, so on and so forth. And the argument that uh, one can, the best one can do is, is to be agnostic because uh, God is not knowable. And I began a journey from that low point back um, in my 20s, beginning with the discovery of, uh, of genuine love and love for a particular individual uh, that stirred my own heart. And as a young, silly philosopher myself saying, well, whence love? Where does this love come from? It's, I mean, it's, it's something deeper and more profound, and I can't tuss, taste it or touch it or feel it, but I know how real it is because I feel it in my heart. And that began my turn back towards the God of love. And then the realization that if he's truly a God of love, this progressive kind of thinking is uh, he would want me to know of him. The God of love would want me to know of him. And so I understood that, no, it's not agnosticism that God is not knowable, that God has made himself knowable, not only through his word, which is a great resource, but more specifically and more primarily, he has made himself knowable by coming to see us, coming into his own created order in the person of Jesus. And as Jesus himself said on numerous occasions, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. In other words, as Jesus lived and as he, um, as he lived out his life and as an example, he was an example not only of his own love, but of our Creator's love as well. And who our Creator is in terms of, if you will, personality. And would be even willing to die for those whom he loved. And so Jesus goes the whole course of the way. And so it carries me along on that trajectory uh, this, uh, the revealed God, revealed in Jesus, so that he has come to our planet, if you will, and that if all that is true, it continues to follow that he is revealing the Father's love all the way to the cross itself and beyond the cross into resurrection. And so th- uh, that, uh, the fact of revelation, that God wants to show himself to us and he wants to show us the character of his person, And he has done so through and in the love and actions of Jesus, including the cross. And then finally, there's a sixth one, right? I hope. Yeah. Um, Finally, the reason I believe in the resurrection is I tried it. If it's true, then it ought to make my life better by trying to live the truth of Jesus' teaching his life, his witness, and part of his life and witness is that he would die and be raised again on the third day and that he would send his Holy Spirit. So I tried it. I I thought uh, just to give some context to this, I I brought this great Dr. Zeus book. Do you all know it? Green Eggs and Ham? Uh, Because I think of my own young wrestling at first, but you know how this goes, but I'm going to read a bit of it to you. Um, Sam I am, that Sam I am, that Sam I am. I do not like that Sam I am. This is a pre-conversion story of a very grumpy, grouchy fella. And uh, that's what happens apart from life in Christ. Sam I am says, do you like green eggs and ham? 
And the grump says, I do not like them, Sam I am. I do not like green eggs and ham. Would you like them here or there? I would not like them here or there. I would not like them anywhere. I do not like green eggs and ham. I do not like them, Sam I am. Well, you know, the story goes on and on. The wonderful persistence of this evangelist for green eggs and ham. And so as we get towards the end of the story, would you, could you on a boat have green eggs and ham? I could not, would not on a boat. I will not, will not with a goat. I will not eat them in the rain. I will not eat them on a train. Not in the dark, not in a tree, not in a car. You let me be. I do not like them in a box. I do not like them with a fox. I will not eat them in a house. I do not like them with a mouse. I do not like them here or there. I do not like them anywhere. I do not like green eggs and ham. I do not like them, Sam, I am. You do not like them? So you say. Try them. Try them. And you may. Try them and you may, I say. Sam, if you will let me be, I will try them. You will see. So the grump is going to try some green eggs and ham. Say, I like green eggs and ham. I do. I like them, Sam I am. And I would eat them in a boat, and I would eat them with a goat. And it obviously goes on and on and on. So I would eat them in a box, and I would eat them with a fox. Say, I will eat them anywhere. I do so like green eggs and ham. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. I am. It's the most important part of my own personal discovery of what I believe in the resurrection. If it's true, then everything else Jesus said or did is true. And if it's true, then if I try to live and follow him as his disciple, then as he says, uh, you will have life and have it in abundance, Michael. And that's what happened. He changed my life. He enriched my life. He confirmed my early childhood and what my parents had shared and given witness to. And in my return to him in my 20s and in this lifelong journey I've made with him, everything he says turns out to be true and right. How I interact with my spouse, my beloved Ellen, how I interact with my children, what I do with my finances, how I drive a vehicle on the road, how I behave as a leader of a church, on and on and on, all informed by this one basic simple truth. The Lord Jesus is risen from the dead, and therefore everything else behind that follows as true as well. So brothers and sisters, it's Easter season. It's a resurrection Sunday because every Sunday is a resurrection Sunday. It's the first day of the week, not tomorrow. What a great way to start your week is you come together with brothers and sisters who also believe in the resurrection to worship. And, my friends, if you doubt it, remember Thomas. Remember the testimony of others. Remember St. Paul. Remember the early church disciples themselves converted. And remember your own experiences of signs and wonders that God has poured into your life as a follower of his, where he has made all the difference. It's a great story because it's a true story. And it's a great story of love. 
It's a great story that you are invited to be a part of, to enter into, to embrace it with fullness and gladness, and let it shape and form the whole of your life. Amen. Amen. Amen.